Welcome to Farrington's Features, the school podcast where we talk to pupils, to staff and to parents to find out more about Farrington School. Now in this episode we're getting an insight into the modern foreign languages department. We have Isabel, head of MFL, and Fiona, a languages teacher, and together they're going to tell us how they got into languages, how speaking different languages has helped them professionally and personally, and what some of the other advantages there are to studying languages. We also hear how MFL is offered at Farrington's and what's in store for the European Languages Day. So for all of that and for more, come with me right now as we speak to Isabel and Fiona. Okay, well, I'm delighted to uh, to say hello to Farrington School again and to two members of the Modern Foreign Languages Department, uh, Isabel and Fiona. And I thought I'd just kick off by asking each of you how you first got into modern languages. Well, I got into modern foreign languages because I came here as a, as a French assistant. I was in, based in Liverpool. And it was part because um, just to um, to improve my language because in France we do not have uh, a year over like like you've got here um, you know in a full course we had to find a, something a job basically and then I discovered that um, I could do the PGCE and um, it was easier and I really enjoy as well the fact that you could choose the school because in France you have to take uh, national exams. So, for example, there's 5,000 people applying for only like maybe 50 jobs, basically, in one area. And uh, so this is why I thought that's brilliant. And and as well, I like the atmosphere. I like the way that uh, it was far more um, a contact with the students. Uh, in France, it's pretty much the teacher talks, leave the classroom and then move on. And that's it. Mm. You know, there's no uh, relationship in a way. So this is why I thought this is brilliant. That's what I want. This is what I want to do, basically. So fantastic. Oh, I guess my story was a, a bit different. Um, I uh, just really like languages. Um, I quite like talking. Um, I think lots of people who know me well might say that. Um, and um, and we actually had lots of um, foreign family friends. And so um, when I was really young, we had my my mum speaks German, and uh, we had an Austrian friend of hers. Um, come over and and do some au pairing and I was just frustrated I couldn't communicate uh, mm. to them in their own language and uh, and my father uh, father's family spoke quite a lot of French and had French contacts so uh, the two languages that I I now speak I, I sort of grew up hearing a lot of so I was uh, quite highly motivated to to like and and do well in languages, and uh, and then I got the bug very quickly, particularly because I love travelling, and I realised that being able to speak a language opens lots of doors in terms of travelling and getting a richer experience out of that journey. Because yeah. I was going to say, I mean, how has it uh, helped you professionally and also possibly personally in your your love of modern languages? Well, um, for me, I, I met my now husband um, in uh, when I was on my year abroad in, in France. So uh, that's been a huge bonus on that front, unexpected at the time. But um, <laughs> that's quite a game changer. <laughs> um, and um, congratulations! <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> it's a long time ago now. Um, uh, but also uh, professionally, um, I didn't go into teaching straight straight off. Uh, when I graduated, um, I started my first job. In fact, um, I had to speak German for it because I worked for a, a company. Um, just sort of off Sloan Square, who 
needed somebody who spoke fluent German to, they were looking to expand their business in it's kind of firm of architects and um, they needed and, mm. and designers. They needed to expand their business into, wanted to expand their business into Germany. And so they uh, wanted somebody who was a fluent German speaker. So I got sort of that job, my very first job, just by the dint of the fact that I spoke German. Um, and then thereafter, I worked for the European Commission based at London Chamber of Commerce. And I had to speak uh, one of the the three, um, well, one of the two other foreign languages, mm -hmm. key foreign languages, uh, procedural foreign, uh, procedural languages, as they call them in the EU. So the French and German really came into its own there. Um, so I guess it allowed me to get my my first two major jobs outside of teaching and then I decided that I would become a modern foreign languages teacher. Um, most of my family are teachers and I bucked that trend, but discovered that actually I couldn't fight it. It was in my blood. Um, and it's so fatal, isn't it? Absolutely fatal. Yeah, exactly. So uh, languages was, was the way forward. So languages have been the absolute key to for, for all of the jobs that I've had um, yeah. in terms of my full-time jobs. So That sounds like a really nice balance. How about you, Isabel? Well, because in France, I was uh, doing um, um, a degree in, in English and in Italian. Um, so to start with, I thought I was going to teach English to French uh, students. And, but I, I got as well, um, it helped me to find jobs in between as well. So when I was a student, uh, like shop assistant, because if you speak a language in a big shop, they are very keen on this, you know, because lots of tourists mm. um, come, you know, and visit. So they, they, they like this. And as well, I was a nanny as well for a very wealthy American uh, family as well. So they wanted people who were able to, to switch languages with the children as well. Um, I must say as well, uh, we were in California and um, uh, over there now, it's um, the, the Spanish is one of the first language as well. So to speak right. as well with other people, that's very useful as well. Um, so that, that, that was the first thing. So now, like I say, when I came here, I discovered that I could, I could uh, use the other way around my French to speak to, uh, to teach um, uh, British people. But as well with my Italian, I discovered that um, I could be a, um, an Italian teacher. So that's what I did as well. I went to, at the time, it was a language school. So I taught Italian as well. And then as well, because I became a head of department, and I moved here where I had to teach Spanish. So luckily, because I had all those languages when I was um, learning, you know, like the baccalaureate or, mm -hmm. you know, so I was able to um, to use this to my advantage in a way, you know, so hmm. here we are. So very useful just to for to, to be flexible, basically, as well. That's why mm -hmm. it's, it's great when you know lots of languages. Ah, key word, flexibility. Yeah, flexibility. yeah, yeah. Flexibility, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And and um, in terms of flexibility, what, what do Farringtons do in the MFL uh, world for their students? I mean, what language do you offer? Uh, do they, is it compulsory to take one? They can opt for another one after year eight or nine? Or, or how's it, how it organised? So French is compulsory throughout uh, Key Stage 3. And then uh, in uh, year eight, they can mm -hmm. opt for German or Spanish. And then they can follow up with uh, year nine as well. And for GCSE, they, they can opt. But lots of our students do one to two languages and they can move on to um, to um, A level as well. But as well, we are able to offer a Chinese for native speaker because as we are boarding school, we've got um, lots of uh, Chinese students come in here, which is great for um, 
when they want to apply to university, he had uh, for their UCAS point, it's very um, useful as well. But as well, uh, yeah. I teach as well um, Italian for native speaker as well. So that's very useful as well, you know, to, to give them an extra language. So the, uh, an extra GCSE, an extra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but as well, we, what we do as well, we, um, we, if um, a native speaker like Russian, Arabic, Turkish, um, we offer the GCSE or A-level for them, you know, and so they can take their, their exam as well. So we are, so it's a great bonus for them because wow. they're not losing their native language as well. And it's useful for their, their, their UCAS, their reference as well. Or even extra, extra qualification, qualification. Mm. yeah. So we we tried as much as we can to to, to give uh, a broadened curriculum for lots of our students. Yeah, what a great facility you offer. That's great. Now I understand that there's a very special day coming up on the 26th September, European Day of Languages. What does your school have in store for your lucky kids for that? Well, we we've got a, a number of things planned, and we we do like to mark the day because. Um, it is uh, celebrated around uh, the whole of Europe and it's su such an important thing to, to celebrate the diversity of languages um, across Europe. There may only be 24 official languages, 24 so official languages in the uh, European Union, uh, but there's many more um, languages that are spoken across the, the the continent and across the EU itself. So it's a it's a really important day to mark for us. And um, we've got we've in the past we've done a number of different things, but one of the things um, we're doing this year, the the students are going to get involved in a in a quiz, and they're going to um, basically have to find out what languages the uh, staff around um, around the school speak. So not not just the languages teachers, because that would be a bit more obvious. Oh, interesting. But all of those kind of hidden languages and, and perhaps native languages um, that our colleagues speak to show them that it is really something that it's not just the specialists in the languages department um, have ownership over. Um, so, mm -hmm. yeah, and, and as well, every year I've been in the school for the last uh, 19 years and every year I do a chapel um, and it's based on different things. So this year it's going to be on all the languages, like for example, hieroglyphs, uh, sign language, Morse, uh, Braille, uh, you know, or, or the fact that, for example, in Italian, you make signs as well, which uh, has a, an history with uh, Napoleon, you know. So, um, so it's just as well to broaden their mind about that it's not just words, it could be something else as well. So every time when I do in the past, I always do a chapel on something that is related to language. So it doesn't have to be, so it could be idioms. One year I've done all the idioms, which are different in languages, in different languages. Like I always say here in, in French, you know, we say il pleut des cordes and in English you say it, it rains cats, cats and, and dogs, dogs, which is something that, you know, you forget maybe when you are a native speaker, but this is something mm -hmm. totally different uh, in another language and you cannot translate, yeah. you know, this is something is not word for word. So this is why it's just to raise awareness about uh, all the uh, uh, countries as well. Like um, last year I did about uh, Creole, you know, in uh, all the different islands that uh, have a link, unfortunately, with slavery when, you know, and the mixture with um, 
the the French, the colonies, or even the uh, the, uh, the British colonies, ex colonies. So that's that's where the language as well is um, is to raise awareness that language change according to uh, you know in the last um, century or now things are different. But you've got to embrace that. You know, it's just it's very good to to know about. Yeah, it. and and will these activities be? Are they cross curricular? Can you? Um, chivy your mathematicians and your science department into doing some modern language day stuff or are they more inclined to stick to sums and science yeah so uh it depends on the timetable what the activities is but in the past yes we've done with um cross-curricular and and as well always at that period the teachers are very aware or even try to speak suddenly they will you know the the math teacher will we introduce uh, the lesson, start the lesson in in the language, and they are very surprised, you know. So they always, we're, we're very lucky that we've got colleagues who help us and try to pass on, you know, um, the message as well that you know it's not just in school that you speak; that it can be broadened um, to other uh, subjects. I think it's also important to to be aware that the day itself is is very much there to promote. Um, diversity uh, and diversity of culture um, so it can improve cultural understanding and so we're not just looking at language in isolation language goes hand in hand with a country's culture and so I think um, even if our colleagues don't want to to make the leap and introduce their their geography lesson in German um, or their <laughs> their cooking lesson in Italian, um, what they can do is they can incorporate um, uh, elements of culture of of European culture in their lessons, which they will probably do on an average week anyway. Yeah, um, yeah. But this is a chance to consciously bring attention to it. Um, and the sort of key objectives um, that the, the Council of Europe had in mind when it launched this day back in, in 2001. It's interesting because I was reading up about it and it is a fascinating project and it's incredibly successful. So, I mean, I'm very excited. I'm sure your students are that uh, you're going to be plunging into that. Uh, and what about the cynics who will say, why do we need to learn a language at all? Because everyone speaks English. Well, I, th I think uh, if we had a pound for every time we've heard that, we'd be very wealthy. Um, but uh, I think bo both of us would both of us would would say categorically um, that just simply isn't true. I mean, my experience of, of using languages in business um, just shows that it, even if the person you're doing business with speaks as good uh, English as you do their language, if not better, they want if they're spending a lot of money or they're looking to buy something from you, a service or a product, they want normally to, to be able to communicate in their own language. They want at least to have the option. And certainly when I was, was working in industry, that was my experience firsthand. So I think that, yes, quite a lot of people um, across the, the, the uh, other European countries are, um, do do speak a lot of English, although not quite as much as we might think. Uh, and uh, I spend a lot of time in the uh, southwest of France, and very few people speak decent English in the area that I spend a lot of time in. And so, <laughs> personally, I've have have a much better experience there, being able to to speak good good yeah. French and to be able to communicate. And I think that's what we need to remember that that it's not just about 
whether somebody else can speak our language. It's the lack of arrogance that comes if you're willing to have a go. You know, you're not saying to them, you've got to come, you know, and play my game. I'm going to, I'm in your country. I'm going to make that effort. And I think that, you know, financially in the world of work, that, that, absolutely pays dividends you know we, we we put a big store in in networking in this country and face-to-face -face contacts and I think being able to speak a language can make a real difference in terms of um you know getting to know someone and 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 them wanting to sort of put their faith and trust in you so so yeah and as well learning language means you you understand better your own languages mm, absolutely it's the same you know when when we do grammar suddenly the the students realize that they don't know their own grammar basically you know so that's that's another way as well they're learning a bit more you know like uh, you know they've got two two different uh, present two different past tense in english you know and they didn't know about this so it's not just that but it's very good for your brain as well because it's been recognized that learning a language helps you to get not to have um, Alzheimer in the in the future because it keeps your brain working and connecting all the time the, the little mm. um, yeah. nerves you know so this is why as well it's very important it's not just and as well learning another language enable you to access uh, literature painting music um, for example when I did uh, my Italian uh, degree I learned, you know, I had to read books and I would never had read that, you know, if I had just been at home and that's it. I wouldn't have gone and so oh. so even if you after that you learn you you keep learning in your own uh, language, but you have this access to uh, more to a wider range of uh, of um ideas because that's why you you hmm. you've got, you know, if you listen Somebody in Spain doesn't have the same ideas about politics or anything or painting or whatever. So you you get a range uh, of of ideas and you open up your mind. And I think that's why it's important. Is a language person um, tends to be more open, you know, to the world mm. and to accept. Not you know you don't have to agree, but at least you can understand where somebody else is coming from. Yes. A broader, more rounded person. Yes. Well, you've also got the phrase "lost in translation." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> to coin a phrase. Yeah, there's plenty of things that are lost in translation that, that don't quite translate in the way mm. that they should. And actually reading a, um, a piece of literature or watching a film or um, listening to music in its, in its original language can really give you a completely different sense um, mm. to one that's been translated because there are limitations and having that cultural understanding of of the reason behind a particular a slang phrase or a particular reference it it makes a huge difference in how much you personally can engage with with a piece of art for example yeah i mean it goes back to teaching those idioms which uh, <laughs> it sounds a lot of fun which leads me on nicely to what sort of top tips do you have to uh, inculcate the enthusiasm with your pupils to, to learn a language. Do you have any special gimmicks you employ or just your raw enthusiasm, which I can clearly see and hear <laughs> in this interview? I think the, the, why I said now, because with the technology that we've got, um, I always said to students that they can record their vocabulary on their phone and they can listen to it, you know, anytime, anywhere, when they want, you know. And that's something I think they are, it's very strange because they've got lots of technology, but they don't seem to use it the right way. Mm -hmm. And that's something that 
I, I said to them all the time, this is something just uh, uh, speak a little bit like five, six words, five, six verbs, and then listen to it anytime you want, you know. And this is the, the, the idea. It's very tiring to, to learn a language, but, and it's lots of repetition compared to other topic. But at the end of it, you get a great pleasure because once you've mastered all those those words, all those 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 grammatical um, um, sentences, then really you can say a lot of things. So to start with, yes, it's a bit hmm. frustrating, but then after that, it's wonderful. And as well, you know, another way as well for them to um, to be good at it is, I say about pronunciation, I say make up a pronunciation just like you know i always say like when i when i um when we do signs for example in french when it's like when it's big gros, and then when you get petit and then you got <laughs> you change the tone of your voice and that's something that is fun for the the students i the way you learn so you can make it fun as you want by just changing the tone of the pitch of your voice and that's something that's so important absolutely bit of role play i think one of the key things i would always say that the, the best way to learn a language is to go to the country i, I mean it, there's no getting away from it you know it's it makes it really fun and we we try and do as many trips as we can obviously covid had an impact there but i know mm. that the the department is is very keen on 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 organizing trips and to bring that learning experience alive because uh, you know we 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 try and play as many games um, as we can and it's one of the best ways of of that repetition not becoming boring so yes the the, the raw enthusiasm i think we all love our subjects i mean we really love them um and they've been life transforming for for all of us probably i would say um in, in one way or another and so that's yeah, so nice to hear well that raw enthusiasm gets you gets you so far but but obviously you've they've got the kids that are, have got to repeat the same list of words, which could become boring if you're not careful. So playing yeah. games, playing, um, you know, um, word games in, in lesson is key, but we can't get away from the fact that actually going to experience the culture and the, f the, the food, mm. the drink, the music, um, the, the, the sort of heritage, you know, going to actually stand by the Eiffel Tower, it brings it all alive. And so we do try and run as, as many trips as possible. Yes. Do you do exchanges with schools? No, I mean, there's, there, there isn't anything currently set up. It's residential mm. trips or day trips. Mm. I, I, I think that is something that all languages teachers would love to do because we, we, can, we know the value from our own experience of, of exchanges. The difficulty has been getting enough uptake to make the trip viable because understandably parents are cautious mm. and they, they worry uh, about their, their children going away and being in a French family. I think they worry more than they need to because um, it, it's it's so much safer now, given that that pupils have their own um, uh, mobile phones. It was it's very different when I got sort of parachuted into a Parisian family and had no way of co contacting home and and uh, you know limited French. But by golly, you learn. Um, so See I think parents worry more. <laughs> I need to yes um but i but i understand that i'm a parent myself of, of three girls and and i do understand the 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 caution but it's i i know it's something that we would would like to do but you have to be 
really certain that you've got the right school, exchange school, and that are com committed staff on both sides. And we, we wouldn't uh, doubt our commitment, but it's making sure that you, you find that. And that's hard to find, but that doesn't mean we'll, we've stopped looking. Um, but, it, but it's not something that's up and running, unfortunately, at the moment. Something for the future, hopefully. Oh, wow. Yeah, but it sounds so. Ah, it sounds wonderful. Um, I'm just looking at the time. We're almost out of time. A final little question, and I'm going to give it to you first, so you can have a little pause over it. Fluency versus accuracy. What are you going to go for? Is it better to be fluent but not so accurate, or are you going to go for? It's really important to be accurate, but oh, the fluency is not so important. <laughs> Who's going to go first? Well, I, I can answer that straight away. Fluency every time. Um, you okay. know, you've you've got I've got a number of friends who um, who now live in France and haven't studied it academically um, for, for many, many, many years. Uh, but they have a go and they speak and they smile and it makes they communicate. And that is absolutely the key thing. And that is what we primarily focus on in, in year seven, eight and nine in key stage three. That's not to say that it doesn't matter. It does at GCC and particularly at A-level. But by then, we hope that they've got the bug and they've got the desire and intrinsic motivation to, to go for that accuracy. But if you worry too much and don't open your mouth, you won't make the mistakes that you absolutely have to make to learn a language. So I would always go with fluency. As, as much as I, I like an accurate piece of work, fluency every time. Isabel, what are you going to say? Yeah, I would say the same because in fact, I come from a system when you have to be accurate, you don't speak. It was the other way around compared to here, where, you know, I could read. And it's the same for my three languages because I did. So I was able to, I will read, I will be able to understand, write, but to speak, no, because there was this fear that you will make mistakes. And I tell you, when I I was um, I ended up in uh, Liverpool in uh, in a girls' school and with the Scouse accent, I had no idea what's going on there. And <laughs> I, I was thinking, I've got a degree, I've got I've got an English degree, and I used to say to the to the students, "Can you speak standard English for me?" Uh, to the point because I couldn't understand because I was not prepared. You know, it was like it had to be exact. And that's where I, you know, I catch up after that, you know, very quickly. But it was, it was something that I was not sure. I didn't want to make mistakes. I thought, oh, they're going to, you know, it's not going to be perfect. And that's the issue. Rather than that's what we are doing now is lots, you start with lots. And as well, if you think about it, it's very good to learn a language where a young person, and young person don't know, you know, they can't spell things. But they get everything. They are like a sponge, mm -hmm. basically, and that's why we want them to to understand that by speaking, you get everything, and then after that, we can apply, basically. Mm. So once it's half of the battle, basically, when you can talk, then you're able to to apply. But it, when it's the way around, I tell you, it's very very difficult. So yeah, fluency. <laughs> wow. What a lovely way to finish. Um, you talked just about getting the bug. I mean, I think these pupils at Farrington's are fantastically lucky to have you guys in uh, charge and looking after them. Um, and it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I can't believe that half an hour has gone already. Um, so I'm going to bid you a fond farewell. But yes, I look forward to, to hearing more about how you're getting on. And uh, good luck with those exchanges, should they happen. So thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much. Thank you. So that's it for this episode. A big thank you to Isabel and Fiona for joining us for an episode on MFL. 
Now, our next one is coming out soon. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.